everybody and welcome back to another episode of Reading Harry Potter with an 11 year old. Today we will be reading Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone Chapter 12 The Mirror of Erised. Please make sure to share this podcast with anybody you know who loves listening and reading Harry Potter. Um, listen to my other episodes if you enjoy this one today. And please make sure to follow me so you'll be notified on every single episode I release. Without further ado, let's get started. The few owls that had managed to battle their way through the stormy sky to deliver post had to be nursed back to health by Hagrid before they could fly off again. No one could wait for the holidays to start. While the Gryffindor common room and the Great Hall had roaring fires, the drafty corridors had become icy and a bitter wind rattled the windows in classrooms. Worst of all were, were, were Professor Snape's classes down in the dungeons, where their breath rose in a mist before them, and they tried to keep as close as possible to their hot cauldrons. I do feel sorry said Draco Malfoy's one person's class, for all those people who have to stay at Hogwarts for Christmas because they're not wanted at home. He was looking over at Harry as he spoke. Crabbe and Goyle chuckled. Harry, who was measuring out a powdered spine of lionfish, ignored them. Malfoy had been even more unpleasant than usual since the Quidditch match disgusted that Slytherin had lost. He had tried to get everyone laughing at how a wide-mouthed tree frog would be replacing Harry as seeker next. Then he'd realised that nobody found this funny. They were also impressed at the way Harry had managed to stay on his bucking broomstick. So, Malfoy, jealous and angry, and had, had gone back to taunting Harry about n- having no proper family, it was true that Harry wasn't going back to Privet Drive for Christmas. Professor McGonagall had come around the week before, making a list of students who would be staying for the holidays. Harry signed up at once. He didn't feel so- um he didn't feel sorry for himself at all. This would probably be the best Christmas study Ed ever had. Let me repeat that sentence. He didn't feel sorry for himself at all. This would probably probably be the best Christmas he had ever had. Ron and his brothers were staying too, because Mr. and Mrs. Weasley were going to Romania to visit Charlie. When they left the dungeons at the end of potions, they found a large fir tree blocking the corridor ahead. Two enormous feet sticking out of the bottom and a loud puffing sound told them that Hagrid was behind it. Hi Hagrid, want any help? Ron asked, sticking his head through the branches. Nah, I'm right. Thanks, Ron. Would you mind moving out of the way? Came Malfoy's cold draw from behind them. Are you trying to earn some extra money, Weasley? Hoping to be the gamekeeper yourself when you leave Hogwarts? I suppose that hut of Haggard's must seem like a palace compared what to compared to what your family's used to. Ron dived at Malfoy just as Snape came up the stairs. Weasley! Ron let go of the front of Malfoy's robes. He was provoked, Professor Snape. 
said Hagrid, sticking his huge hairy face out on behind the tree. Malfoy was insulting his family. Be that as it may, but fighting is against the school rules. Hagrid, said Snape silkily, five points from Gryffindor, Weasley, and be grateful it isn't more. Move along, all of you. Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle pushed roughly past the tree, scattering needles everywhere and smirking. I'll get him, said Ron, grinding his teeth at, Mal at Malfoy's back. One of these days, I'll get him. I hate them both, said Harry, Malfoy, and Snape. Come on, cheer up, it's nearly Christmas, said Hagrid. Tell you what. Come with, um, come with me and see the Great Hall. Looks a treat. So Harry, Ron, and Hermione followed Hagrid and his tree off to the Great Hall, where Professor McGonagall and Professor Flitwick were busy with the Christmas decorations. Ah, Hagrid, the last tree. Put it in the far corner, would you? The hall looked spectacular. Festoons of holly and mistletoe hung all around the walls, and no fewer than twelve towering Christmas trees stood around them. And some, some sparkling with tiny icicles, some glittering with hundreds of candles. How many days you got until you left until your holidays? Hagrid asked. Just one, said Hermione. And that reminds me, Harry, Ron... We've got half an hour before lunch. We should be in the library. Oh, yeah, you're right, said Ron. He was tearing his uh, eyes away from Professor Flitwick, who had golden bubbles, um, baubles, blossoming, blossoming out of his wand and was tra trailing them over the branches of the new tree. The library, said Hagrid, following them out of the great hall. Just before the holidays. Bit keen, aren't ya? Oh, we're not working, Harry told him brightly. Ever since you m mentioned Nicholas Flamel, we've been trying to find out who he is. You what? Hagrid looked shocked. Listen here, I told you. Drop it. It's nothing to you what that dog's garden. We just want to know who Nicholas Flamel is, that's all, said Hermione. Unless you'd like to tell us and save us the trouble, Harry added. We've already been through hundreds of books. All... Sorry. We must have been through hundreds of books already, and we can't find him anywhere. Just give us a hint. I know I've read his name somewhere. I'm saying nothing, said Hagrid flatly. I uh, just have to find out for ourselves then, said Ron. And they left ha Hagrid looking disgruntled and hurried off to the library. They had been indeed searching books for Nicholas Flamel's name ever since Hagrid had let it slip. But how else were they going to find out what Snake was trying to steal? What the trouble was, it was ha very hard not to know um, where to begin, not knowing what Flamel might have done to get himself into a book. He wasn't in. Uh, he wasn't in great wizards of the twentieth century or notable magic names of our time, and he was missing too from an important modern magical discoveries and. A study of recent developments in wizardry. And then, of course, there were the sheer size of the library. Tens of thousands of books. Um, thousands of shelves. Hundreds of narrow rows. Hermione had took out a list of subjects and titles she had decided to search while Ron strode down a row of books and started pulling them off the shelves at random. 
Harry wandered over to the restricted section. He had been wondering for a while if Flamel wasn't uh, was wasn't in some way in there. Unfortunately, you needed a specially signed teacher f- um note from one of the teachers to look in any of the restricted books, and he knew he'd never get one. Those were the books containing powerful dark magic, never taught at Hogwarts, and only read by older students disc- um studying defense advanced defense against the dark arts. What are you looking for, boy? Nothing, said Harry. Madame Pitts, the librarian, brandished him with a feather duster. Um, Madame Pitts, the librarian, brandished a feather duster at him. You'd better get out, then. Go on, out. Wishing he'd been quicker to think up some story, Harry left the library. He had run at Hermione and already agreed they'd better not ask Madame Pitts where they find Flamel. They were, they were sure she'd be able to tell them, but she, but they couldn't risk Snape hearing what they were up to. Harry waited outside the corridor to see if the other two had found anything, but he wasn't very hopeful. They had, after all, been looking for a fortnight, but as they had odd moments between lessons, it wasn't really surprising that they'd found nothing. What they ne- really needed with an, was a nice long search, without Madame Pence breathing down their necks. Five minutes later, Ron and Hermione joined him, shaking their heads. They went off to lunch. If you keep looking while I'm away, send me an owl, won't you? Said um, Hermione curiously. And you could ask your parents um, who Flamel is, said Ron. It'd be safe to ask them. Very safe, as they're both dentists, said Hermione. Once Once the holidays had started, Ron and Harry were having two... Too good of a time to think about Flamel. The dormitory they had the dormitory to themselves, so, um, and the common room was far emptier than usual. So they were able to get the really good armchairs by the fire. They sat, they sat by the hour eating any. Blah, 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 blah. They sat by, they sat by the hour eating anything they could spear on a toasted fork, on a toasting fork, bread crumpets, marshmallows, and plotting ways of getting Malfoy expelled, which were fun to talk about, even if they would never work. Ron also started teaching Harry wizard chest. This was exactly like muggle chess, except that the figures were alive, which made it a lot, lot like directing troops in battle. Give me a sec. I just need to adjust my lamp light. Um. Ron's set was very old and battle- battered, like everything else he owned, it had once belonged to someone else in his family. In this case, his grandfather. However, old chessmen, old chessmen weren't a drawback at all. Ron knew them so well, he had he never had trouble getting them what to do what he wanted. Harry Harry played with chessmen. Seamus Finnegan. Harry played chessmen with Seamus Finnegan had lent him, and they didn't trust him at all. He wasn't a very good player yet, and they kept shouting different bits of advice, which was confusing. Don't send me there. Can't you see his knight? Send him. We can afford to lose him. On Christmas Eve, Harry went to bed and looking forward to next day for the food and the fun, but not expecting any presents at all. When he woke up early next morning, however, the first thing he saw was a small pile of packages on the foot of his bed. Harry Chris... Um... Happy Christmas, said Ron sleepily, as um, Harry scrambled out of bed and pulled on his dressing gown. You too, said Harry. 
Will you look at this? I've got presents! What did you expect? Turnips? said Ron, turning to his own pile, which is a lot bigger than Harry's. Harry picked up the top parcel. It was wrapped in thick brown paper and scrawled across it was To Harry from Hagrid. Inside was a roughly cut wooden flute. Um, Hagrid had obviously whittled it himself. Harry blew it. It sounded a bit like an owl. Uh, give me a sec. Okay, that's better. Um, a second, very small note contained a, um, a, a second, very small parcel contained a note. We received your message and enclosed your Christmas present. Um, from Aunt, Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia. Cello taped to the note was a 50 pence piece. That's friendly, said Harry. Um, Ron was fascinated by the 50 pence. Weird, he said. What a shape. This is money. You can keep it, said Harry, laughing at how pleased Ron was. Hagrid and my aunt and my uncle. So, who sent these? I think I know who that one's from, said Ron, going a bit pink and pointing to the very lumpy parcel. My mum. I told her you didn't expect any presents and... Oh, no, he groaned. She's made your Weasley jumper. Harry had torn open the parcel to find a thick hand-knitted sweater in the emerald green in emerald green and a large box of homemade fudge every year she makes us jumpers said Rona, unwrapping his own and mine's always maroon that's really nice of her said harry trying the fudge which was also very tasty next to his present also contained sweets a large box of chocolate frogs from hermione there was this left only one parcel. Harry picked it up and felt it. It was very light. He unwrapped it. Something fluid and silvery grey um, went slithering to the floor where it lay gle in gleaming folds. Ron gasped. I've heard of those, he said in a very hushed voice, dropping the box of every flavoured beans he'd got from Hermione. If that's what I think it is. They're very rare and very valuable. What is it? Um, Harry picked up this strange silvery cloth um, um, off the floor. It was strange to touch, like water woven into material. It's an invisibility cloak, said Ron with a look of awe on his face. I'm sure it is. Try it on. Harry threw on the coat cloak around his shoulders and Ron gave a yell. It is! Look! Harry looked at his feet, but they had gone. He dashed to his mirror. Sure enough, his reflection looked back at him, his head suspended in mid-air, his body completely invisible. He, he pulled the cloak over his head and his reflection vanished completely. There's a note! A note! said Ron su suddenly. A note fell out of it. Harry pulled off the cloak and seized a letter, written in narrow, loopy writing he had never seen before with the following words. Your father left this in my possession before he died. It was time. It, it is time it was returned to you. Use it well. A very Merry Christmas to you. There was no signature. Harry stared at the cloak. Um, Harry stared at the note. Ron was admiring the cloak. I'd give 
anything from one of those, he said. Anything. What's the matter? Nothing, said Harry. He felt very strange. Who had sent the cloak? Had it really once belonged to his father? Before he could say or think anything else, the dormitory door was flung open by Fred and George Weasley, and Fred and George Weasley bounded in. Harry stuffed the cloak out of sight. He didn't feel like sharing it with anyone else yet. Merry Christmas! Hey, look! Harry's got a Weasley jumper, too! Um, uh, Fred and George were wearing blue jumpers, one with a large yellow F on it, and the other with a, lo yeah, with a large yellow G. Harry's is better than ours, though, said Fred, holding up Harry's jumper. She obviously makes more of an effort if you're not family. Why aren't you wearing yours, Ron? George demanded. Come on, get it on. They're lovely and warm. I hate maroon, Ron moaned half-heartedly as he pulled it over on his head. You haven't got a letter on yours, George observed. I suppose she thinks you don't forget your name. Um, but we're not stupid. We know we're called Fred and George. What's all this noise? Percy Weasley stuck his head through the door, looking disapproving. He'd clearly come halfway through, unwrapping his presents as he, too, carried a lumpy jumper over his arm, which Fred sees it. P for Prefect! Come on, Percy, get it on! We're all wearing ours! Harry even got one! I... Don't want, said Percy thickly, as the twins forced the jumper over his head, knocking his glasses askew. And you're not sitting with the prefects today either, said George. Christmas time is for a family. They frog marched Percy from his room, his arms pinned to his side by his jumper. Harry had never seen his life, and never in all his life had such a Christmas dinner. A hundred fat roast turkeys, mountains of potatoes, um, uh, platters of fat chipolatas, torrens of buttered peas, silver boats of thick, rich gravy, and cranberry sauce, and stacks of wizard crackers every few feet along the table. These fantastic crackers were nothing like the feeble ones the Dursleys usually bought with their little plastic toys and their flimsy paper hats. Harry pulled a wizard cracker with Fred, and it didn't just bang. It went off like a cannon blast and engulfed them all in a cloud of blue smoke. When, um, from inside, exploded a rear admiral's hat um, and several live white mice. Up on the high table, Dumbledore had swapped his pointed wizard's hat for a merrily flowered bonnet. Oh, no, no, no. For a flowered bonnet, and was chuckling merrily at Professor Footwick, who had just had just read him. Um, that's going to be all for today. I read the first half of the chapter. Um, yeah, because that's one of the longer chapters in the books. So, yeah, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, please make sure to share this with your family and friends if they enjoy listening and reading to Harry Potter. And check out my other episodes if you enjoyed today's episode. I will see you guys when I make another episode. Bye.